All right. Welcome to our new series, Icons, When Culture Whispers God's Story. Uh, in this story, as you saw in our crawl here, we, we want to explore the different voices and messages and themes found in contemporary culture. So we want to, took a, we want to take a look at our movies, at our songs, uh, celebrity culture, at some athletes, uh, the shows that we like to watch. And we want to ask, why does it resonate with us so much? What is it that, that we like about it? We also want to take a look and ask, are, are, there, some, are there some flaws? Are there some shortcomings? Are there some limits uh, in, in the things that, that we are uh, receiving uh, throughout our contemporary culture? Uh, as thoughtful people, we also want to engage responsibly uh, and biblically. And we, we want to take a look uh, at how to receive and, and, and how to uh, watch and take in these things from culture. We want to take these things in, uh, we want to take these things in, our, in ways that are truly Christian. So we want to be discerning about that. And in this sermon, this morning, we want to take a good hard look at our hero stories. And one of the most popular hero stories of all is Star Wars. For many of us, this was the first movie that, that captured our attention in the, in the genre of movies. Uh, this is the original movie poster of Star Wars, A New Hope, Episode 4. It was released back in 1977. And when it was released, it was a cultural force. Now, it almost did not become the phenomena that it is. As the story goes, the studio thought that it was going to flop. Critics hated it upon first seeing it. Even the actors themselves, they weren't sure. Harrison Ford, who, who plays Han Solo, famously said, what are we doing out here? We're shooting a space flick, and my sidekick is a walking shag carpet. James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader, said, most of us thought we were filming a bunch of rubbish. And Mark Hamill, who plays Luke Skywalker, he admitted to just having a hard time keeping a straight face while doing these scenes. <laughs> Even George Lucas got nervous towards the end. But when it was released back in 1977 into 32 theaters, early moviegoers loved it, flaws and all. Many of them said it was part of the charm that, that, and, and the goofiness just added it to it and made it more relatable for them. It stayed in theaters all year long. Movie theaters were running it all day long. And movie houses also had to order new copies of the film because the original ones were getting faded from all the play. Uh, here, here's a picture of, of what it looked like um, back in 1977. You can see the line um, out, out the door. I took this picture with my iPhone uh, back in 77. Uh, that's my Pinto right there, right in the center. I remember that like it was just yesterday. Actually, I, I found the internet picture yesterday on, on, online. That's, that's about as close as I got to it. But what was the appeal to this? I mean, for some of us, here was a movie that gave us a new story of a young Luke Skywalker coming into his own, fighting off the evil empire with a little bit of courage, a few quirky friends, and something called the Force. There was also this amazing villain named Darth Vader with that breathing sound and this deep electronic voice. You didn't know if he was a robot, you didn't know if he was human, what was he? There was this Death Star and droids and laser lightsabers. There was special effects called hyperspace and there was nothing like it. Don't listen to what the Star Trek people tell you. <laughs> In 
It was also happening in the backdrop of, a, of, of the 1970s, which was a very troubled cultural climate that was looking for hope, that was looking for transcendence. And it was a culture that was asking, is there something more out there? The first release, Star Wars Episode Four, received numerous awards, including the People's Choice Award for Favorite Movie. It won six Academy Awards. Later, sequels would be made, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And then later, prequels would be made, Episodes One through Three, which we don't have to talk about here today. <laughs> and then this past Christmas, millions of us enjoyed Episode Seven, The Force Awakens. Now, when adding up all the, the, the revenue from the movies and the toys and the memorabilia, the Star Wars franchise has received $40 billion. For some perspective, if Star Wars was a country, and if, it's, if this earning were its GDP, it would be ranked right around the middle of our 193 nations. That, that's pretty impressive for a movie. Here in the global West, Star Wars has in, become our most enduring modern myth for the last 40 years. It, it's spanning three generations of moviegoers now. I have a hazy memory of seeing Return of the Jedi in theaters in 1983. And this past Christmas, I was among the, those who, who took his sons to see The Force Awakens. They didn't really even have a choice in the matter. I was like, I am your father. Now, now get in the car. Just like that. Now, I want you to know, as a staff, we, we are practicing some restraint uh, with, with how we're doing the sermon, even if it doesn't look like it. I mean, we, we wanted to, you know, kind of make this look like Tatooine. We wanted to hang, you know, Death Stars and X-Fighters and Millennium Falcons from the, the sky. Uh, I, I, was, I was asked to speak in costume um, as Chewbacca. <laughs> Dave Ripper approached me before the service and said, I don't know if you've noticed, but, you know, these last two weeks, we've had some really great puns uh, in, in, in our sermons. And I was like, Dave, I don't really do the puns well. I don't really have a mind for it. And Dave's like, no, you, you, you got to try to get, like, a really good pun in there. I'm like, Dave, Yoda man with the puns. Not me. <laughs> Not me. That's a fun, and, and, and it's a really fun and epic story. And we, we want to have a little bit of fun this morning. We, we, we could all use a little bit of levity. But a really legitimate question that we might be asking ourselves this morning is, why are we talking about this in church? I have this memory uh, back in, in, during my high school, college years of, of, of a few years of, of Christmases where they would play the Star Wars trilogy just about every Christmas for, for that stretch of years. And I have this memory that like, you know, we would have... Uh, you know, uh, we would talk about the Christmas story as a family. My relatives would come over. We'd fill our plates with food, and, and me and the cousins, we'd go downstairs to, to our, my basement, and we'd, you know, we'd play pool, we'd eat, and we'd catch up. And we would also watch Star Wars together, too. And I remember thinking during my doubt-filled teenage and some of these college years, I remember having this kind of confess confessional type of thought that I, I think I resonate more sometimes with the Star Wars story than I do with the essentials of my own Christian faith, and it troubled me. And then I find myself in weeks like this, I mean, emotionally charged weeks, and, and, and my heart is broken as well. And, and we come to church, we're, we're looking for clarity, we're looking for wisdom, we're looking for hope. We, we are tired of asking the question, as the psalmist continues to ask, how long will we sing this song? And I think God is going to speak to us this morning. We'll speak directly to that later in this message, but I do want to set up this dialogue by talking about the importance of story and the importance of heroes. 
You see, we're all looking for guiding narratives. We're all looking for, for, uh, for stories that, that speak to us during difficult and hard times. We're looking for inspiration. We're looking for heroes. We're looking for truth and meaning. And I believe we, we, we take a kind of a surveyed approach to this and we receive these messages through culture and through all sorts of ways and we try to filter them out. Now the stories that, that endure are, are marked with interesting characters and peculiar dilemmas and plot twists. But these enduring stories, most of them also include an element of redemption an element of mystery. They usually have heroes that we can relate to. And ultimately, they are stories where good triumph over evil. And I think that's a good bit of why I ended up liking Star Wars so much. Maybe you like Star Wars, and maybe you don't. Maybe you've seen it and you don't really know what the big deal about it really was. And maybe you've never seen it. Oh my goodness, that's okay. <laughs> But likely, there are other movies and there are other stories and there are other heroes that have captured your attention much more. Maybe, maybe you love Spider-Man or Batman, The Dark Knight, or Wonder Woman, or Harry Potter, or, or, or Katniss Everdeen. Maybe you loved Clint Eastwood's Dirty Harry or, or John Wayne's Rooster Cogburn. You know that movie with like Catherine Hepburn? I remember that. Like it was, uh, I have no recollection of it. I had to Google it. I have no idea what it is. But I know some of you really liked it, and, and The Lone Ranger and others. In fact, I would love for you just to take a moment right here, here in the sanctuary, in your campuses, those of you in G9, if you're listening online, tell the person next to you who your favorite hero was growing up. It has to be a fictional character, okay? It can't be a real person, okay? Five seconds. All right, you got it? You got it? Only one, only one. Come on now. All right, who'd you say? Just shout it out. Who'd you say? A Aquaman? Superman. All right, Superman. Iron Man, all right. Did you say Aquaman? A Wonder Woman, excellent. All right, let, 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 let me bring this back in here. Well done, well done. Clearly, you all like superheroes. You have a, a, an extraordinary list here. Chances are, though, chances are, these characters spoke to you, and they gave you a word of courage in the face of a daunting challenge. Like that, that's kind of how like, superhero culture works. And our hope this morning is, is to see how many of these hero movies and how many of these stories, how they can actually help us appreciate the Christian story even more. I want to show you how my appreciation and how my love of Star Wars actually helped me love Jesus more. So today, we want to look at three ways that Star Wars can help us love Jesus more. <laughs> it's true. The first is understanding what really makes a hero. And let's look at scripture for that. In scripture, we'll find a very similar universal epic, and we can find it here in Philippians chapter 2. And it reads like this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to, to the glory of God the Father. Now, if we read this or listen to this too quickly, we might actually miss the great significance of this. I'm telling you, it's epic. I mean, did you feel it? Did you see it? The story of an all-powerful God that becomes an ordinary human and with all humility and with obedience, yet still with power and a great love, he conquers death and evil so that all people could have life, people like you and me and all of humanity. So you want to take a closer look at this. In the, in the context, Paul is encouraging fellow Christians to have the same mentality as Jesus, this mentality that is marked with true humility. And here Paul is using two competing ideas. He's saying that, that Jesus is the Christ and he's all-powerful, but he's also saying that, that he is an ordinary man, humble and obedient to the Father's will. A humble hero, we might ask. I mean, historians tell us that in Paul's day, the greatest non-fictional heroes were Roman war heroes. And they were sometimes called saviors, like Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar and Augustus Caesar. In fact, in the ancient world, military types were often considered like deities. That is how heroic leadership looked like in the ancient world. N.T. Wright tells us, only when we grasp this do we understand how deeply subversive and how utterly countercultural Paul's gospel message concerning Jesus of Nazareth, whose resurrection had declared him to be Israel's true Messiah and the world's true Lord. He was the reality, and Alexander and Augustus, they were the caricature. That's what true global sovereignty looked like. And then he says, hadn't Jesus himself said something similar when he said, world rulers lord it over their subjects, but it can't be like that with you. With you, the ruler must be the slave because the son of man came to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm telling you, Jesus is a different type of hero. As we look at verses six and seven, we see a bit more of this. When, when Paul says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with something God to be used to his own advantage, and then he unpacks that a little bit. Again, we see Paul affirming excuse me, Jesus' divine nature and this, it was the same nature as God. But instead of using this power to his own advantage, in, instead of taking on like the, the narrative of the world that says make the most with, of, of what you got, Jesus forfeits all of that. And instead, he takes on this nature as a very ordinary and very, very humble servant. This leads to what? This leads to him being arrested, to being falsely accused, to becoming executed by the courts of, of the law and the high priests, and he does this willingly for the sake of humanity. Now that is a heroic moment. That is a true heroic moment. Dying on the cross for the sins of the world, and then through the resurrection, we might have hope and life and the victory. Heroes, we like them because they do heroic things, right? And in many of these origin stories that we encounter of hero movies, we, 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 we usually find the hero kind of discovering, going through a period of self-discovery. They, they find their new superpower. And often they, they use the superpower for their own good, for their own gain in the short term. 
Later, they realize their selfishness, and they, they, they usually have this moment of, of awakening where, where they realize that they have to use this newfound power for the good of others, right? That's a big theme in Spider-Man, where, where we have this great line that says, with great power comes great responsibility. You've, you've seen that one too, huh? It sounds an awful light like Jesus, though. In, in, in Luke chapter 12, when, when he tells his disciples, to whom much is given, much will be required. It sounds a lot like our hero Jesus. In verses 9 through 11, it goes on. Paul says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. And he talks about that a little bit more in the verses. But just a few verses ago, Paul made Jesus sound out to be a nothing, a nobody. And then a few verses later, because of Jesus' humility, because of his obedience, God exalts him. And his is the name that everybody knows. And Paul is saying that we have to have the mentality of Jesus. It's not about getting our own names and lights. It's about whose name we have inscribed in our hearts and whose name we follow. That is what makes a difference. Now, theologians and historians have said quite a lot about this, this, set of, this set of verses. It was used as an ancient creed for the early church because it talked about Jesus' divinity and Jesus' humanity. And it was an incredible passage. And I wish we could spend more time on this. But I want to say something very specific to those who are under the age of 10 here today. And, and, and those of you here in the sanctuary and across our sanctuaries and those of you in G9 and in our courtyard. It turns out that there are a lot of adults who still like superheroes. It's okay. People like me, okay? And it's good that you do like superheroes. There's, there's a lot to, to gain from them. But if there's a really key thing that we could encourage you to get from this message is to see that Jesus is the greatest hero of them all. You ever notice how the superheroes, they, they, they always have to punch bad guys and they have to use their super strength uh, to, to, to do all sorts of things. And then when we think about Jesus, we, we see a different type of superpower in effect. Instead of like laser vision and, and the gift of flight and, 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 and hurting people, with Jesus we see this, these great superpowers of humility, of these great superpowers of, of obedience, of these great superpowers of love. Those are powers that, that we as Christians, that, that we can follow, that we can gain from, that we, I will never fly and neither will you, but I can learn to be more humble, I can learn to be more obedient, and through God's help I can learn to be more loving towards others. Jesus is a true superhero. And that's what we're trying to say today. By looking at many of our movies and our, and our, and our heroes, we can learn what true hero, heroism really looks like. And that's our big idea for this morning. Many of today's popular hero stories point us to an even greater hero story, how Jesus overcame evil and death to invite us all into a life of peace, joy, and salvation. I tell you the truth, I like this stuff. I, I, I like Star Wars, I like movies, I, I, but we can't get too lost in it. We have to kind of take inventory of it and see what can truly be gained from, from the things that kind of resonate with us. Because often, a deeper truth emerges. So the first point in appreciating, it, in appreciating Star Wars helps us to see what a true hero looks like. The second point, seeing that we need courage to confront death, the, the Death Stars in life. Star Wars fans know this moment in, in the movie where Obi-Wan says, that's no moon, it's a space station. 
And that's the moment where they discover the, the evil empire's ultimate weapon. We, get, we have a picture of it right here. This is a picture of the Death Star. And you might know uh, that each time, they, 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 well, Star Wars has blown up like three Death Stars now. Like they just keep adding another one to, to the next movie. But what is the Death Star? It's a planet weapon with, uh, with uh, 10,000 turbo laser batteries, 2,600 ion can cannons, 768 tractor beams, and 123 hyperfield generator generators that are able to form a super laser capable of destroying an entire planet. It's, it's scary, hence the moniker Death Star. Now, again, one of the reoccurring plots is that there's always a Death Star, right? And, and um, there, there might be another one coming, according to the rumors, right? And once this thing become, you know, comes in range, it is, it is capable of taking out the good guys. It's a tired plot, and, and even as a Star Wars fan, I feel it's getting kind of old. But isn't it true that even in, in our lives, we feel that there's always a Death Star type of, type of a thing hovering over us? I know I'm being metaphorical here. I certainly don't mean that there's a planet with a, with a super laser capable of, of taking us out. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about those gigantic, anxiety-filled clouds that, that are filled with our pain and dysfunction, our broken hearts, our broken dreams, our broken relationships. I'm talking about these types of clouds that have taken orbit around our lives, and they, 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 they attack our peace. They, they try to destroy our hope. They, they, they try to wipe out our joy. These are the death stars that I, I'm talking about that are robbing us of life. We know how to take these out in the movies, but, but how, what do we do with these things in real life? Again, we want to look at the way of Jesus, who in Mark 11 says, very truly I tell you, if you have faith as small of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move from here to there. I wonder in this context if he, if he would say, you can say, move this planet from this galaxy to another galaxy. And what Jesus is really saying is that instead of being controlled by our worries and instead of being controlled by our pain, we can trust in God whose power is limitless. We can trust in God whose power is limitless. We can trust that he will provide for whatever circumstance that we're going through, however, whatever ache that we're experiencing, whatever pain that, that, has, been, that has been plaguing us. I know that seems daunting, and I know that even feels a bit unrealistic. I, 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 I completely get that. And, and I, I have a bit of a skeptical heart that, that tends to protest when, when I hear some, some of these things. But this is also an opportunity for a moment of faith as well, especially this week. Especially this week, as, as, as we grieve the enormous loss of life contained in these tragedies this week. I, re I really want to pause here and, and talk about this. Many of us have, have been grieving the killings of, of, of these black men in Baton Rouge and in St. Paul, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, and also these five officers that have been killed in Dallas and the seven others who have been shot and injured. And perhaps like, like me and you, we, we, we feel that there's a cloud of death that is hanging over us and it is not going away. I truly, truly believe that in our pain, in our laments, in our prayers of anguish, that we can rediscover a, a hope that can only come from God. I truly believe that as Christ followers, we have an opportunity to be courageous here, to be peacemakers, true peacemakers. 
an opportunity to show the world something better, that we not talk past one another, that we take the time and the effort and the energy to listen to one another, particularly right now to our friends of color. We have an opportunity to publicly lament and to share in the pain, that we be willing to carefully examine and confront any systemic injustice or any of the prejudices that have been hidden directly in our hearts or overtly. We ought to resist this, this, this narrative that says that we must be for either Black Lives Matter or police officers. No, we have to seek both and much, much, much more. We have to support at the same time these brave men and women who, who are, are serving in law enforcement and also roles of law and government as well. We can't take sides, but instead we have to take the side of life, we have to take the side of justice, and we have to take the side of forgiveness and reconciliation. I truly, truly believe this is what Jesus would have us do. And we may feel brokenhearted, and we may feel this heaviness, but I also want us to remember the words of Jesus when, when, he, when he encourages his disciples during despairing times. In, in the words of John 16, he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. It's this message and work of Jesus, this resurrection story where, where there is death, but through the power of God there is life. It is in this story that we can find our hope and that we can offer this as a gift to the world. That has blessed my heart this week. That is a message that I want to share with others. And I do believe that that is a message that the church can share with the world. This message that death will give way to life because of the power of God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. There's always going to be something that is going to be threatening us. There's always going to be something hanging over our heads. But in our prayers, in our hope, if we can rely on the Lord to give us the strength to confront and to give us the courage to confront these clouds, oh my goodness, I think that's going to make a tremendous difference. Third, in appreciating and loving Star Wars, I've been able to, to appreciate the Christian story so much more. Third is believing that we must have faith in the real force. I definitely don't mean the sci-fi Star Wars fictional force, okay? Which, as Obi-Wan explains to Luke, um, the, the force is a mystical energy field composed of all living matter. It's great for the movie, that's not, but that's not what I'm talking about. And George Lucas takes a lot of Eastern thought. and talks about a lot about the light side of the force and the dark side and good and evil and, and the contrast of the yin and the yang and, and all of that. And all that is a departure from, from the Christian vision of, of how this works. We, we believe as Christians that the, the, the power of God is unrivaled and that he is holy and that he is uncorruptible. But because of our sin and our fallenness, creation has been broken, creation has been stained. And thus, we are all in need of redemption and all of creation is in, in need of redemption. And through the resurrection power of Jesus, as Paul writes in Colossians, we, we see how Jesus is the true force that then binds all things together for the work of good and redemption. Now, I wish we could dive deeper into all of this, but I just want to make the observation that in, in movies like Star Wars and a lot of our hero movies, there is a desire to connect to the supernatural. And I think it's in these moments that we can actually hear God whispering, yes, there is a supernatural, and it's good that your heart desires it. I, I really think there's a whisper to be heard there. I'm not talking again about the force described in these movies. I'm talking about the force described as in the presence and as the, in the power of God. The force as in the presence and in the power of God. 
But I am struck in, in, how these, in how inside these movies, how they're used kind of similarly. So when Obi-Wan says to Luke, the force will be with you always, that also sounds a lot like the way that Jesus says to his disciples this, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, in the Christian world, we're talking about the power and the presence of God. And at the same time, one of the things that I appreciate about, about these stories is, the, uh, is this tension of faith and doubt. I, I, I like the parallels of faith and doubt and the tensions that Star Wars exposes. I find it a little bit chilling when, when Darth Vader compares the power of the Death Star in the forest and he says, I find, your fa- I find your lack of faith disturbing. Darth Vader is a man of faith? I'm also struck and a little disappointed when Han Solo says to Luke, kid, I've flown from one side of the galaxy to the other and I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe that there's one all-powerful force controlling everything because no mystical energy field controls my destiny. It's all a lot of simple tricks and nonsense. I mean, I've always been compelled with, with how these movies talk about faith in, in a very similar way that, 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 that I find troubling. Even Luke Skywalker, the young hero of this movie, has trouble believing in the power of the Force. And there's this key scene in episode four where he realizes that he he has a choice that he has to make. And, well, you know what? I could describe it to you, but why don't we just watch it for ourselves? Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Amen, I know, I know. I mean, wouldn't it be great to like, have like, this like, invisible voice talking to you, like, you know, kind of giving you instructions throughout your day? Like when you're at a restaurant and you want to order burger and fries, the voice says, order the salad, Tim, order the salad. 
I'd be the guy like arguing with the voice, like, like, oh, maybe a Cobb salad with chicken and extra bacon, you know, maybe that sort of thing. But what I like about this clip is that it illustrates our three points. It talks about what a true hero looks like, the courage to confront the death stars in our lives, and then third here, to to have faith in a real force, the real force, the presence and the power of God. J.R. Tolkien put, puts it this way, when, 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 we, when he tries to help us understand that the power of stories and, and what they point to, he says, we have come from God, so inevitably the myths woven by us, though they contain error, they reflect a splintered fragment of the true light, the eternal truth that is with God. Myths may be misguided, but they steer shakily towards the true harbor. In taking inventory of the stories that we receive through contemporary culture, and in future weeks we'll be looking at songs and shows and, and, and other, other movies and things like that, we can hear the whispers of God sometimes echoing through. In fact, I encourage you throughout, throughout the next couple of weeks to kind of just take inventory of your own life. What are the things that, that you have resonated with? What are the things that you kind of, you know, you got excited to, to watch or record or get in line for? Why do you like them? And do they have any limits? Do they have any shortcomings? And are they whispering something more redemptive to you? Are they whispering something that is even greater? Because here, as we've seen in this message, it's by, by understanding the, the parallels of Star Wars that I was able to appreciate and love Jesus a bit more. And here, as we come to a close, we have to pause and reflect and appreciate the true hero that Jesus really is. I mean, his, his power is unrivaled. And the best part is that he is real. He is true. And this incredible story of, of death being overcome by the resurrecting power of life and that power that we get, we get to be invited to, that is the story that makes all the difference in the world, especially on weeks like these. Amen? Yeah. Let's pray together. Our Holy Father, we do thank you for, for the gift of these stories that, 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 we, that we get to, to, to be entertained by and, and to watch. But Lord, we ask that you'd help us to be mindful of, of, of the deeper truths, especially the ones, Lord, contained in your scripture, the ones that are being revealed by your spirit. Help us, Lord, to, to be awakened to that. Father, we pray that you'd help us in, in, in these days to be ambassadors of hope and of love and of unity. And we do thank you, Lord, that you are the true hero, the one hero. You are our hero. And Father, we ask that you give us the strength to follow you accordingly. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.